God with us at all times. Repeat this after me. Say, Father in heaven, thank you for your word. It is your personal love letter to me, and I receive it. It is the absolute truth, and I believe it. It's the answer to my questions and the answer to the world's issues. Lord, today, my ears are ready to hear your word. My heart's ready to receive your word. And I, by faith, am ready to be a doer of the word in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. You can say hello to your neighbor as you have a seat and greet them. What's that? The, the black and white two-tone ones? All these? Okay. Would you please open up your Bibles? Would you please open up your Bibles? I'm going to ask for your attention, please. Open up your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 21. It's our foundational scripture for what we've been studying uh, last week and what we're going to study this week. And again, next week, we may go a little further. But in case your neighbor forgot, or in case they weren't here last week, just shake your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to grow up. you got to grow up. We're talking about growing up. When you get to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 21, say, I. When you get to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 21, say, I. When you get to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 21, say, I. Say, it's just after the book of Hebrews. Keep going. First Thessalonians, Titus. You're close. There you go. James 1, 21, before the book of Peter. Okay, are you there, everyone? Okay, let me pray. Father, I pray the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let me only say what you want me to say. Let me only do what you want me to do this morning. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That's all we studied last week. Receiving with meekness the implanted word. We're going to move on. But be doers, everyone say doers, doers. of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, say liberty, liberty. and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Verse 26, if anyone among you thinks that he is religious and cannot bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Say unspotted. If we are going to grow up spiritually, as we started talking about last week, if we're going to grow up, we need to begin to accept the word. The book that's sitting in your lap, the book that's in your hands right now, you must accept. That's where baby Christians start, just accepting the Word. But see, it's not enough to just accept the Word. The reason you came back this week is because this week we're going to talk about believing the Word. And it's not enough just to believe the Word. You have to believe that the book you're holding, the Bible that's in your hands, is true for you today. 
But see, it's not just enough that we believe the word. If we really believe something, what do we do? If we really believe something, what do we do? You act. A-C-T. That's the word. If you really believe it, you act upon it. Last week, we took a look at just verse 21, and we started to break down the word souls. We're going to review again because I want you to get this really deep down inside of your heart. It's important to understand that when you look into the mirror, you're seeing your body, but you really are a... Ah, you really are a spirit. You see, what we learned last week is that every one of us in this room is a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a... We are a, we have a, and we live in a. It's so important that you understand that. Because when you're born again, what part of you is born again? You're just, when you are born again, it is just your spirit. It is just your spirit that's born again. When you're born again, it is your spirit that's born again. We all have, we all are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a body. Now, I want to prove to you that you are a spirit being. Go over to the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. This is just review right now, because I've got to catch you up if you weren't here last week. You are a spirit. Turn to your neighbor, say, hey, spirit. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. I'm going to prove to you right now that you are a spirit. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. As I tell you all the time, listen, if you really want to know how God intended life to be, you need to go back to the beginning and read Genesis 1 and 2. That is perfection. It's God's ultimate perfect creation. Genesis 3 is when the fall comes as a result of sin. But in Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. This is what sets you apart from all of God's creation. This is why you have not come from monkeys. This is why... Every single one of us has not spawned from a single tiny amoeba, one single cell. You are the crown of God's creation. You are the only part of God's creation that after he formed you from the dust, he literally grabbed man by the nostrils and breathed the breath of life. Can I tell you what that phrase, breath of life, means? It means in him was life. That is the spirit. This scripture proves that we are a spirit because at that moment, God breathed his spirit, his nature into you. And when you're born again, it's your spirit that is born again. How do I know that? Well, you can be born again on Sunday and Sunday night you can go home and fall into sin, right? Or some of you who are really holy, you got born again on Sunday, didn't sin until Saturday, the next Saturday again, right? The reason we can be born again and go home in sin is because our spirit has been born again. It is our responsibility, as we talked about last week, to get our soul and our body to line up. Paul says in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I beseech you, brethren or Christians, present your bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Now, what do we define a soul as? Because your spirit's born again, but it's our responsibility to get our souls to line up. What's a soul? Your mind. Let's say it together. Do you guys remember from last week? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. 
Your ability to reason and your intellect and your rationalization skills are your mind. Your will is what drives you. Your emotions are your feelings. We talked about how many of us can't hear the Spirit of God because we listen more to our feelings. We talked about how there are people in the world who are really intellectual and they can't hear God because they're living in their mind. There are people who are more conscious of their body who will never experience God because they don't realize they are a spirit. And that's where we left off last week. And it's so important that we just accept the word. But it's not enough that we can accept the word. If we really want to grow up and be Christians, listen, we should not die baby Christians. We should not die baby Christians. How many of you want to go to heaven with the same amount of faith you have now? How many of you would like to have more faith where you lay hands on the sick and they recover? How many of you would like to be able to see the dead raised by you laying hands on them? How many of you would like to see demons come out of people by you laying hands on them? All of us want more of the Spirit. See, that little child over there, my little son Noah, he's not going to stay a baby forever, is he? No, he's going to grow up. We can't stay baby Christians. When we come to God and we get saved, it's not enough that we be saved. But we need to continue in the Word. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Believe the Word. Let's go back to the book of James, please. James 1.25. I'm going to let you grab that scripture and then I want to share some things with you again. So some of you last week, in fact about four of you, about four of you last week, exactly four of you last week, made a decision to surrender your heart to Jesus, whether it was the first time or whether it was rededication. And I asked each and every one of those four, why did you do that? And you all told me you felt this sense on the inside. That is your spirit. That is your spirit that you're sensing on the inside. Can I just tell you, Christians in the room, everyone look at me if you're a Christian in this room, you need to learn to listen to your spirit. Your spirit will save your life. Let me give you, for instance, two things happened to me this week on Thursday. On Thursday. Now, I know the voice of my spirit, and I know the voice of God's spirit. I know when my spirit is talking, and I know when God is talking, because I have learned to develop that. On Thursday, I felt the call of God early in the morning beckoning me just to come away and spend time with, me, with him. I had this uneasy feeling. Anyone ever had that uneasy feeling like there's just there's something you got to do or there's something missing? It's like right here. You really can't describe it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right here, the sense, that's your spirit. And when you're born again, your spirit is connected to God. So your spirit knows things before your mind and your body ever do. And on Thursday, I just felt this sense I needed to draw away and spend time with God. But as I came into the office, you know, we had to get the painting done in the game room. I had tons of stuff that I had to get ready from, uh, from Wednesday night, you know, at the end of service on Wednesday, I wasn't able to do it. So all these things started talking to me. By the time the day was over, I realized I did not draw away and I did not spend time with God at all. Now, you know, I talk to him throughout the day. You know, I, I always tell you that. But that real drawing away just to be quiet and in his presence, I didn't have that. And I, I wrote it off and said, you know what, God, you and I have been talking all day. That's okay. I'll be fine. But later on that night, the grip of temptation was on me. And I could sense. Now, the world didn't fall apart on Thursday. But I want to share something with you. I sensed 
temptation coming and trying to put its grip on me. And I was slowly, fall- it was like slow motion, I could see it. I was slowly falling into temptation. And immediately my spirit jumped out and said, and I just repented. I said, God, I'm sorry. I was supposed to spend time with you. You were calling me all day. You see, God knew and my spirit knew exactly what would happen later on that day. That temptation would be knocking at my door. And God loved me so much that he started early on in the day saying, Kurt, draw away with me. Spend some time with me. Because if I had would just spent time with God, he would have given me the spiritual strength that I would have needed to not even come close to that temptation. Do you see how important it is? God really cares about the little things of our lives. He loved me that much that he knew what would happen at the end of the day. And he wanted me to have all the strength I needed early on in the morning. I was grumpy that day. I was irritated. I was annoyed. I was burned out. I was stressed out. All because I didn't listen to that small, still voice. Second thing happened yesterday. I'm at Mr. Kevin's house, my brother. We're taking the kids in the pool, and Mr. Kevin and I, you know, the ladies are out. And so I'm like, oh, you know, did you bring the floaties, Kev? Because, you know, you really shouldn't put the kids. They're all young. We shouldn't put them in the pool without floaties. He's like, no. I'm like, all right, well, I'm okay with it if you're, if you're okay with it. And immediately my spirit went off, you are such a fool. I'm like, oh, man. But I'm like, you know, it's hot. Let's just get the kids in the pool. So we're, we're getting the kids in the pool, and not five minutes goes by, and my mother shows up. My mother shows up at my brother's house, comes right to the backyard where the pool is. What you doing, guys? And I'm like, we're in the pool, Mom. She's like, you, you really shouldn't have the kids in the pool without floaties on. And I'm like, but Mom, you know, I'm 26. She's like, you know, she's telling, she's telling my daughter, Lily, you can't be in the pool. I'm like, Mom, it's my kid. What are you doing? She said, you can't be in the pool. You can't be in the pool without the floaties on. You know better, Kurt. You know better. I'm like, oh, man. My mom just... My mom just showed me up in front of my own kid, you know? <laughs> so I pulled my daughter. I, I felt so bad because my mom, I told my, pulled my daughter out of the pool because grandma said you can't be in the pool with all the floaties. And she's all upset and hysterical and stuff. And I realized, wait a minute. You see, if you haven't really read the newspapers lately or haven't really watched TV lately, a lot of children, a lot of kids, four and under, die in pools. It doesn't take much, two inches of water because a, a parent wasn't watching or they didn't have a floaty on or, or a life vest on. And so I just, I really didn't think much of it. In fact, we made fun of my mom the whole day because she, because she was paranoid. So later on that day, because I know I was driving to my mother's house and I had this sense again. And the sense was, just ask your mother why she came over today to my brother's house. Why don't she just pop in? I said, Mom, did your spirit tell you to come by the house? And she looked at me and she said, yes. I'm like, oh. I said, you came by the house because you knew we had, we had the kid and kids in the pool without floaties? She said, yes. I'm like, oh. Dear God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Yeah, I repented. See, because my mom, she chose to listen to the Spirit. And she could have saved, because she listened to the Spirit, she could have saved one of our kids' lives. How stupid would it have been for us to have some fun and lose a child? You see, we need to develop that spiritual sense and that witness where we can hear that. And we need to listen to others who have authority over us when they speak that to us. So those are my examples from last week about listening to your spirit. When you're born again, your spirit's born again, which means your spirit has direct communication with God, which means your spirit will know things long before your mind and your body do. 
Okay? Let's talk about believing the word. There is a gap between accepting the word and acting on the word. Anyone ever heard a great preaching and you said, I'm going to apply that in my life and you try it and it fails? We all have, haven't we? There's a gap between just accepting the word and acting on the word and that's called believing. We have to actually come to the place where we believe the word is true, but that we believe the word is true for us today. Here's the difference. Here's where many Christians miss it. There are people out there in our world today. There are people who are in churches today, and they're preaching that certain parts of this gospel died out with the apostles. That certain parts of this word of God died out with the apostles. And if they're preaching that, some people start to believe, well, well maybe there are certain parts. Maybe God doesn't want everyone to be healed. Well, you know, uh, you know, Sally, she died and she, get, she didn't get her healing from Jesus. Maybe that wasn't God's will for her to be healed. But see, the truth is, you have to believe that this word is true for you today in the 21st century. There is no part of God's word that is not for you today. That means every part of this word is for you today. I'm going to prove it to you right now. Open up your Bibles to Hebrews 4.12. If you're in the book of James, go one book over. Hebrews 4.12. If we're going to grow up spiritually, we must believe that the word of God is for us today in the 21st century. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. Are you there? Say aye. Aye. Are you ready? I'm going to read from the Word. Here we go. For the Word of God, everyone say, Word of God, God. is living and powerful. Now let me read. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Let's go back to the very first part of verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active, which is what that word powerful means. Let me ask you something. Where are the drivers in the room? drive a car. Have you ever ran over a squirrel? Poor thing. God rest its soul. How many of you have? Chipmunk. Oh, that's even worse. They're so cute. Who, who, who's ran over a squirrel or a chipmunk? Raise your hand. Mr. Ken and Miss Michelle, just the three of us. Did you, did, let me prove something. Let me show you something to do. Did you get out of the car and look at that squirrel and say, wow, that, that squirrel is so alive. Look at how active it's tail and dead tail flipping in the wind and stuff like that. Did you get out of the car and say that that squirrel's alive? No, you did not. You did not. You knew that squirrel was dead, right? Unfortunately, you knew that that squirrel was dead. Listen, it says right here, the word of God is living and active. Do you call something alive when it's dead? No. Do you call something alive when it's dead? Say it like you mean it. Do you call something alive when it's dead? No. The Bible says that the Word of God is living and active. That means there is no part of Scripture that died out with the apostles. There is no part of Scripture that died out with the apostles. For the Word of God is living and active. If you and I are really going to grow up spiritually in this age, and we're going to be mature Christians, and we're not going to go to heaven like babies, but we're going to be real mature Christians, you have to start believing that the Word that's sitting in your lap is true for you today. There are some that want to believe, you know what, casting out demons, that's, that's, that's first century church. You know, that's just the apostles. There are some that believe laying hands on the sick, you know, that, that's just first century church. That's just the disciples of the apostles. There are some that believe speaking in tongues and prophecy, you know, that, that's just first century church. That's just the apostles. Wrong. Look at Mark 16, verse 17. 
the Gospel of Mark. I want you to go to the Gospel of Mark. We're talking about believing the Word is true for us today. The Gospel of Mark, which is the second Gospel recorded in the New Testament. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, it's the final chapter. And go to verse 17, please. Are you there? Say aye. aye. By the way, who is speaking here? Who is speaking? Jesus. If you're not sure, the words are read in my Bible, which tells me that Jesus is speaking here. I'm going to read. Listen up. Follow with me. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And these signs will follow those who believe. Does it say, and these signs will follow the apostles? Does it say these signs will follow the apostles? It doesn't, does it? It says these signs will follow who? These signs will follow who? Are you of those? Are you of those? Are you of those? Are you of those? We are all those. These signs will follow those who believe. We're talking about growing up spiritually. If we're going to begin to act on the word, we have to believe it is true for us today. You see, when I came to Jesus and I got radically saved at 18 years old, I knew that if it was written in God's word, I had to accept it. Period. End of the story. But it wasn't enough just to accept it. If I wanted God's word to be active in my life, I had to believe his word. And if I really believe his word, I'm going to act on it. The truth is, all of this scripture is available for you today. All of this scripture is available for you today if you just believe. It doesn't say these signs will follow the apostles. It says these signs will follow those who believe. It's time that we grow up spiritually and start putting the word of God to practice in our life. There's another scripture I want to share with you here, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to say it. Um, you know, you look back in the Old Testament, and there are promises in the Old Testament. And there are still some people who would say, you know what? Those promises are just for the, for the children of Israel. They, they don't hold true for us today. Deuteronomy 28, that's not true for us today. And it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord and observe carefully to do all that I command you today, that all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Oh, there are some people who say, you know what? That's not for us today. That's just for the children of Israel. But in the book of 2 Corinthians... 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, it says, All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You see, there's a gap between just accepting the word and acting on the word. And that gap is called believing. And if you've been sitting in church for a long time and you just come to church because mom and dad make you, or if you came as a guest and you're just, you know, whatever, you just said a prayer one day, sure, you have an eternal home in heaven, but you're not living the super abundant life that God called you to live right here on this planet and in this earth right now. You are called to be more than a conqueror, no matter where you go, no matter what you do. But you will never be more than a conqueror, and you will never grow up spiritually if you don't first accept the word and then believe the word. And as we're going to discover next week, if you really believe the word, you will act on the word. But this morning, it's so important that you just begin to see 
that this word is written for you today. God knows the end from the beginning, right? He knows the end from the beginning. He knew where we would be in the 21st century. And that's why he had this entire book compiled before the 21st century. He had this entire book written before any of us was born because he knew what we would be facing. And you have a choice. You always have a choice. You can choose to believe that this word is true and you'll see it in your life. Or you can choose to believe that this word is not true and you will suffer the consequences of believing this word is not true. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to grow up. Are you? I'm ready to grow up spiritually. I'm ready to see what God has called us to see. I'm ready to experience what God has called us to experience. I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a believer of the Word of God because it's living and active, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. This Word that you hold in your hands will change your world and the world around you if you believe. There's a whole lot of people out there talking. Believe in yourself. You can do anything. Believe in yourself. Well, that's all fine and dandy. But if you believe in the Word, you can do more. If you believe in the Word, you can do more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Stand to your feet, please. Listen very carefully. Again, I'm going to read our scripture today from James 1, verse 25. I want you just to listen with your ears, please, okay? Check this out. It says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. You see, that's where belief comes in. We must continue in the word. If you're here right now and you're saying, You know what, Mr. Kurt? I just don't believe. I'm tired. I don't, I don't care. You know, whatever, man. I grew up with this Bible, blah, blah, blah. If you're here and you're saying you don't believe, it's because you're not continuing in this word. Because if you really were to continue in this word, agnostics have turned to Christ because of this word. Atheists have turned to Christ because of continuing in the word. If we're really going to be Christians, we need to continue in the word. And as we continue in the word, we will build up our faith. The Bible says that faith comes by? The Bible says that faith comes by? And hearing by the what? And hearing by the what? You want to build your faith? You want to believe that you can cast out demons? You want to see people be healed when you lay hands on them? You want to speak in new tongues? You must believe. And the only way to believe is to build your faith. And the only way to build your faith is to stay in the Word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Put your right hand up and say, I am willing and ready to grow up spiritually. I accept the Word of God. Believe it is true for me today. And I'm going to act on it daily. In Jesus' name.